This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. And I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and this is Gilbert and Frank's Amazing Colossal Obsessions. And who's with us? Uh, the late, great, old, black blues singer, Ray Bone. Okay. Frank, which of us should take the the, uh, the candy wrapper out of his hand, me or you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that during the call-in episode, I'm like, why is my mouse moving around my screen? And then I see Gilbert fidgeting with the keyboard yeah. in there. He's a little bit of a fidgeter. How are you, Ray Bone? Not too bad. Uh, not not that you'd know it from what Gilbert says. Oh, uh, uh, he's I'm, got you dead and I'm buried. hanging on for dear life here. I, I have very quick housekeeping before we start this mini. This is going to go fast. Uh, our friend James Karen was in the Oscar in memoriam. Yes. You saw him, yes. as I did. <clears throat> Chuck McCann and uh, Ken Berry left out. I know. Sadly, strangely, as was Stanley Donnan. Uh, Dara had a birthday. That is a podcast milestone. You had one. Yes. Uh, last February week or 28th. two weeks ago. Yeah. Yes. And Larry Storch turned 96. Oh, that's and right. I was at his party at the Friars yeah. with three podcast guests. Wow. La- Larry, Richard Kine, and Dick Cavett. Oh, man. All send their love. Oh, and thank you to everyone who sent their birthday wishes to me. Yes. Thank you very much. That was very nice. And the callers that, that called and wished uh, Gilbert a happy birthday. Finally, to Jamie Philbrick, who uh, continued the tradition of wearing an orange wedge pin to the Oscars. That was started, that was terrific. <laughs> that was started by our pal Michael Weber. Thank you, Jamie. That made our week. This is a mini episode idea. That How small is this episode? This is a small, very, small, very, very small, small infinitesimal. <laughs> Raybone, you have crystallized my thoughts eloquently, <laughs> as Paul used to, as uh, Dave Letterman used to say to Paul. This is a producer of the month idea from Ray Gustini. Remember producer of the month, which we do on Patreon. Right. You can go to patreon.com slash Gilbert. You can uh, throw in a couple of shekels, and you can suggest an episode. And if we pick the idea, we will do it, as we're about to do here. And then, then of course, if the episode is picked, you're rewarded with hundreds of thousands of dollars. Hundreds. You are lavished, <laughs> lavished. with a harem full of, of uh, virgins. <laughs> this is actually an idea that we kicked around previously, but Ray was on it. And uh, it, was, it was reading Ray's idea on the Patreon that prompted it. Uh, celebrity meltdowns, oh, which we have great. talked about before. Great. Celebrity rants. Or, that doesn't really happen. Ray called it? them open mic uh, episodes. <laughs> Hot, Hot, when, Hot mics. When you're in the voiceover world, especially like every voiceover place I go to, the guys will have these. The guys who specialize. Oh, yeah. Verderosa has his own collection. Um, yeah. It's yeah. not my collection. There's a, an engineer named Tom Love out of Boston. Okay. Owns a place called Rumble Strip, and he's played these down the line from time to time. So when you emailed and said, we're going to do this, I said, hey, Tom, you got to send me your, your collection. So you sent me a few good ones, the classics. Right. 
He gave me a few deep dives. We'll see if we can squeeze them in. Otherwise, yeah. we'll save them Maybe for Maybe we'll a try mini. to squeeze one of them in because I think you'll appreciate They're it. They're all great. Okay. We're going to start with a classic that everybody knows and that we've discussed on the show. And Paul and I have done a little research about them. And then we're going to tell you what connection, what loose connection they have to this podcast. Oh. For a little extra trivia. So, Frankie? The countdown will begin this Sunday afternoon <laughs> at 1, right here on the radio station you grew up with, Music Radio 138. Oh, fuck. What the hell's going on here? Jeez, <laughs> well, isn't it the last hour? We got another hour to do? Jeez, I thought we were almost finished. Good golly, Miss Molly. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. <laughs> Hi, this is Casey Kasem. American Top 40 has moved to a new time. I hope you'll join me this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning at 2. 2. 2. Uh, we're up to our long-distance dedication. And this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio, and here's what he writes. Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll need a lot if you play it. <laughs> Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's go start again. I'm coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? Please. <clears throat> See, when you come out of those up-tempo goddamn numbers, man, it's impossible to make those transitions. And then you got to go into somebody dying. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do it for, but goddamn it, if we can't come out of a slow record, I don't understand it. Is Don on the phone? Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a fucking up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. Now, make it, and I also want to know what, what happened to those pictures I was supposed to see this week. <laughs> That's my favorite. It's a god, last goddamn time. I want somebody to use his fucking brain to not come out of a goddamn record. That is, uh, that, that's up-tempo, and I gotta talk about a fucking dog dying. <laughs> that is such a classic. It's like, it's like Mozart to me. It is brilliant. Uh, two, two parts of that. Number one, the best, <laughs> a fucking dog dying. That's the best. Is two, two, you couldn't write yes. that one. yes. That one, you couldn't write like a nice, pleasant DJ <laughs> going into... And the other thing is fucking, fucking ponderous, ponderous, man. <laughs> fucking ponderous. That that'll have to be a bite. You'll have to you'll have yeah. you'll have to sample that. that. Is Set that aside. Great. Fucking ponderous, man. Great. Fucking ponderous. <laughs> my my two favorites are that he's ranting. He's in the middle of a rant, but he has the presence of mind to stop and say, "And what happened to those pictures I was supposed yeah. to see?" Which has nothing to do with anything. And the classic Classic. You know how you love oddball things like butt habits? And yes. Put your hands down. Yeah. I love is Don on the phone. Right? right. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. That means. It means yeah, the, I know. It's is Don great. on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> it's just gold. The first time I heard that, I was so happy. That was, was fantastic. It changed my life. I, that's one of those I think we both heard like over a hundred times, uh, and it gets funnier each yeah, time. It's it's it, it absolutely never gets old. It's a cliche. I think recorded in 1985. Paul and I talked about this, and I said, "Let's do some digging and see what we can actually find about these things. Any kind of history, yeah, so, or any kind of uh, trivia." So the the um, the listener had uh, the owner of Snuggles wanted uh, from Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. So he wanted Henry. They played the Henry Gross song "Shannon" yep, in tribute. I, yep. 
And it took several takes to get that recorded properly because Casey had trouble getting into the somber mood after an up-tempo song. Right. People wonder what were the songs. Yeah, that's right. So uh, the tape was still rolling when he launched into the profanity-laden rant we've just heard. But I think what I read is that he was coming out of a Pointer Sisters number. He he was... he. He was coming out of a out of a song that was the problem was that it was up tempo. Oh yeah, and he couldn't get into it was it was too abrupt a transition. The right. song Shannon is a weird song. Do you know that song? I don't the, know that Henry song. Henry's, no. It's about a guy whose dog has lost at sea. Oh, so there is oh a that dog. I yeah. remember. Shannon is gone. It's yeah. like a falsetto voice. So some somebody pulled out theme is dogs. Yeah. My wife who's 10 years younger than me hears these pop songs that I love from the 70s. And she goes, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. How is that a pop song? How they ever got played on the radio and yes. how they became hits. Yeah. Yeah. Songs like Run Buddy Run. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. So- death songs from the 1970s. <laughs> I Oh, I can't yeah. see you leader, anymore. Leader of the pack. Yeah, well, that's old. That's really old. That's What's the one? one? Patches by Clarence oh, Carter. Patches, I yeah. was born and yeah. raised <laughs> in Alabama in a shack way yeah. down the woods. I was so ragged, my <laughs> papa used to call me Patches. <laughs> but I know he was hurt because he done all he could. My papa was a great old man. I used to see him with a shovel in his hand. Education he never had. I still remember my dear old dad saying Patches, we're depending, depending on your son to pull our family through. It's something only you can do. De- we got to do a mini episode, Death Songs of the 1970s. What's the other one? Um, oh, God. The, the one about the, the, well, the season's in the sun where, where everybody oh, yes. dies. And yeah. then, bang, bang, he shot me down. Yeah, bang, there's a bang. bunch of them. There's a, and, of course, Bobby Goldsboro's Honey, where he's burying, oh, oh, he's burying the right. wife under the tree. <laughs> so, Paul, this is what I found, that um, it happened in 1985. Right. And uh, the clip got passed around. It was the uh, pre-web, uh, pre-internet days, the hand-to-hand kind of way. Um, and uh, it just caught on. And... Uh, it says here that this is interesting. It says the Kasem tapes were an irresistible cult o- cult object because they captured the sound of a supposedly consummate pro losing his shit over something picky uni. And uh, there's apparently another tape of him trashing U2. Do you know about this? I don't know about that the one. Band, the band U2. I got to hear this. I'm going to try to track it down where he says, uh, these guys are from England. Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't have, but we're going to we're going to go on a search for it. Uh, there, other than that, there's not really much to be found. Did you find anything else? Well, the, the, apparently, the song that he was going to come out of was the Pointer Sisters yeah. hit Dare Me. Dare Me, yeah. But, yeah and I guess they I switched said. to Shannon. Yeah. Well, no, he was he was he had to do the dedication with Shannon. Was she, oh, okay. But he but he had to, he had trouble coming out. Coming he was blaming out, right. them for 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 right. not giving him for making him come out of an up tempo record. He's a consummate professional. He right. should have been able to Absolutely. make that work. Now now here's the weird loose connection, very loose connection to this podcast. The Don on the phone, as I've said in previous shows, is Don Bostony, who was Danny Duraney's uncle, and oh. Dan, our friend Danny Duraney has <laughs> yeah. done this show. He did a mini episode, and, wow. and he booked Ileana Douglas for us and a lot of other people. And he called me about a year ago and said, do you want my Uncle Don, 
who was a, a, a radio veteran. He has a million stories. And I thought, eh, maybe it wasn't a priority. And then when he died, I read the obit. He was the Don. Oh, <laughs> man. He, he, was the, he and Casey were the creators of American Top 40. Oh, Don, Don man. Buscani. So, yeah, we'll try to dig a little bit more into this and see what we can come up with. There's, but there's, there's not a lot. It was just, it's like the tube bar tape. Yes. You know, these were tapes that were passed around, cassettes. Right. In Why those you days. motherfucker, you <laughs> cocksucker. Oh, I'll show you all the black stuff. Inside. Billy West does that uh, yeah. brilliantly. Yeah. Can, we, can you page Hal Knock You Down? Hal Knock You Down. Alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> and, and those tapes found their way into Matt Groening's hands, and that's how those that's Bart Simpson's yeah. prank yeah. phone Filthy calls. grave. Filthy grave. Amanda Hug and Kiss. I, just, I, I love the one where he goes, yeah. He picks up the phone and he goes, yeah, I just fucked your mother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In the, in the interest of uh, in trying to get to these, Frank, I believe we have another famous one where we have a little more information on this one. Now, this is a very long one. How, you, you tell me when you want to wind it down. So. We'll, just, we'll just listen to a little bit of it. I think, I think right to the profanity, and we'll, we'll leave from there. This is famous. You think I'm the only one that's going to work out there while you motherfuckers sit out there and cram all over this fucking joint? What do you think this is, anyhow? What kind of plane do you think this is? What kind of miscues do you call this? What fucking bear do you think you're playing on, motherfuckers? <laughs> you want to fuck with me on the bandstand? Shut that fucking door. He seems nice. <laughs> I'm up there working my balls off trying to do somebody a favor and you motherfuckers are sucking all over this joint. What kind of trumpet section do you call us tonight? And saxophones? You've got to fucking be kidding me! How dare you call yourselves professional? Assholes are playing like fucking children up there! You got your fucking, where the fuck are you? This one. You got your fucking horn so far deep in the fucking bell? We don't need to have a band here tonight. Your phrasal won't be heard. Everybody can hear your fucking bands out there. You don't need a mic for that. You taking up too much fucking time? Blowing what? Shit! You stand out here all fucking night trying to blow your fucking brains out when it comes time to play. What do you play? Clams? Clams. 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 <laughs> you got nowhere to fucking go to the next day because if I hear one fucking clam from anybody, you've had it. One clam and this whole fucking band is through tonight. Try me. You got some fucking little nights off. Nothing to do, and you're coming to play this kind of shit for me? Fuck all of you. You're not doing me any fucking favors. You're breaking my heart up there. <laughs> that one. You're breaking my heart up there. embarrassed by you motherfuckers. I play with the greatest fucking musicians in the world. How dare you play like that for me? How dare you try to play like that for me? Assholes. <laughs> I think we got the idea. <laughs> This that, is the infamous yeah. Buddy Rich tape. That is great. Yeah. It's like high school band all over again. High school band. So I can add a little bit to this. From Go my, ahead. I went to the Berkeley College of Music in Boston for a couple of years. Yeah. He used to come back there and teach, and so he wasn't all bad guy. An angry man, him. though. Yeah, an angry man, absolutely. But uh, the, the advanced students and the talented kids would be picked up by the Woody Herman band and Buddy Rich and these big bands who would they go on tour and they need a lot of musicians. And and these guys would come back after, you know, six months or a year on the road and 
be exactly in the kind of awful shape you'd expect them to be after hearing that. But one other thing that he did that drove them really crazy that I didn't see in the research is he, you know, the musicians have their charts up there, the music, and they all, they're all numbered, right? So the band leader calls out number 54 or whatever it's going to be mm-hmm. or gives them a set list ahead of time. He would never give them anything, and he would start playing. He'd go, one, two, three, four, number 48. And they could, you had to like have your music all arranged with the corners bent and all that so you could get to the thing, memorize the first eight bars because he would give you no time. Now, what the hell was that about? I have no know? idea. He, he was eccentric. He really Did you ever meet eccentric. Buddy Rich in your travels? No. Yeah. No, Ang- no I, I wish I would have. He's supposedly a very angry fucking guy. Ah, uh, yeah. I can't imagine. <laughs> Are you sure you're talking about the right guy? As you surmised. <laughs> Doesn't sound like an easy boss. Where, you, yeah. remember, you remember hearing that for the first time? Oh, my, yes, I do remember. Yeah, that and, was, and again, this was also like the Casey one, recorded apparently in the mid '80s. From what I found, between sometime between January of '83 and January of '85, and recorded by a pianist Lee Musiker, or Lee Musiker, M-U-S-I-K-E-R, was supposedly the person who turned on the tape recorder, an Iowa tape recorder stuffed inside a folded-up newspaper on his lap. Yeah. And it became legend. And it's been passed around from now, comedians uh, and comedy writers. I didn't, know, I didn't know that. I thought that was fascinating. The comedians had followed this thing in these... these. Pre- yeah, Larry and David you, and Jerry Seinfeld did you, did you specifically. Did the Jerry, the Jerry I did. thing? That was I did. Amazing. Did you know that it was worked into three different Seinfeld episodes? Oh. Gilbert? The no. un, The understudy... Uh, the the one where um, <laughs> the one where uh, Frank Costanza goes into the nail salon, yeah, just because he speaks yes. because he understands Korean, and it includes the line, "This guy, this is not my kind of guy," which we didn't get to. Which that, I mean, that came from Buddy Rich and from Buddy it. Rich, yeah, because we, we didn't then, play the whole thing. And the line, this is the line that Jerry and, and Larry love for some reason. Uh, in one episode, then we'll see how he does yeah. up there without all the assistance. Is in the Kenny one of the Kenny Banya episodes, uh, and this one when George in the opposite, where George does all the opposite things. Yes, he he calls out two guys who are making noise in a movie theater. Oh yeah, and yeah. he says, "Why don't we step outside and I'll show you what it's like?" <laughs> Jerry, Jerry's going. Show you what it's right. like. What, yeah. what is that? They <laughs> they love this shit, and they put it into the uh, they put it into the show. But in doing the research, I found something fun. A guy named Dave Panishi, or P-A-N-I-C-H-I, was the, was the trombonist, the guy that he's that he's uh, that's being cursed out for growing a beard, which is later on the tape from Texas, oh, right? Where he Texas. screams, "This is in the fucking house of David," <laughs> <laughs> which we didn't play, but you can you can find this online. You know, I mean, it's readily the other available. weird thing about this is I put my jazz critics hat on here. Buddy Rich was a great. Great drummer. Great drummer. He was maybe yeah. the best, yeah. one of the best big band drummers yeah. ever. Yeah. So he didn't need the, he didn't need to boast that he played with the greatest musicians in the world. But I mean, he did. You know, but he did. This guy Dave Panici or Dave Panici or however the hell he pronounces his name. This was fun. I read an extensive interview with him, and he said that there was a guy that had a sock puppet of a chimp in the band. <laughs> And they would wait till Buddy would lose it, and the guy would stand up behind Buddy and imitate him with the sock puppet. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> which is just fantastic. That's great. Which is in my notes. Here's a, you probably saw this, too. He was he started off as a kid as a singer and a tap dancer. Absolutely. Right In his teens, he led a band, toured the U.S. and Australia. At 15, he became the second... Okay, so here we go. At 15, he became the second highest paid child entertainer behind... Who in the 1930s? Jack, 
Jackie Coogan. Jackie Coogan is correct. Wow. There you go. Don't mess with me, Rayburn. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the very, very loose connection to this podcast and the Buddy Rich tape, and that is this wonderful strip by our pal Drew Friedman oh, yes. called Everybody's Buddy that appeared in Raw Magazine originally in the 80s and then is uh, is reprinted in Drew's wonderful book, The Fun Never Stops, which we will plug because it's great. And this is basically Drew really capturing wow. Buddy Rich at his worst. You can find this in Drew's book, uh, Playing Clams. Playing Clams. You're breaking my heart out there. <laughs> that's that's the one I like. I just I like anger. I like yes. I like celebrities absolutely losing their oh, shit. Oh, absolutely. And you can picture the veins popping out on their necks. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Let's move on to another one, which is a sort of a different speed. This one's near and dear to my heart because this for those that know, this is what I do all day every day. I record actors yep. for commercials and film and television. And this is this is just brilliant. And I have to say, having done this for so many years with so many celebrities, I've never witnessed this except for with Dr. Phil. Oh. I don't want to say his last name because I don't want to give away who okay, he is. Okay, yeah, you yes. don't want to do that. Um, but I cut together a funny outtakes thing I'll have to play for you guys only. It's not for web distribution. We'll do it sometime. Oh, yeah. Right. This this one is one of the major classics. It's, so a, it's, great. it's become a major part of the culture, so let's yeah. hear a little bit of it. Nothing is more important than the simple act of people getting together. Good. We know a remote farm in Lincolnshire where Mrs. <laughs> Buckley lives. It's funny already. <laughs> Every July, peas grow there. Do you really mean that? I'd start half a second later. Don't you think you really want to say July over the snow? Isn't that the fun of it? It's it, if, you, if you make it almost when that shot disappears, it'll make my... I think it's so nice that, that you see a snow-covered field and say every July peas grow there. <laughs> we know a remote farm in Lincolnshire where Mrs. Buckley lives. Every July peas grow there. We aren't even in the fields, you see. Yeah. We're talking about them growing and she's picked them. Yeah. On what? In July. I don't understand you. Then when must what must be over for July? Um, when we get out of that snowy field. When I was out, we were onto a can of peas, a big, big dish, dish of, of peas. peas. When I said in July. Oh, I'm sorry. Mr. Yes, always. July, I'm always past that. <laughs> yes. Well, that's about where I say in July. Can you emphasize a bit in in July? Why? That doesn't make any sense. Sorry. Um, There's no known way of saying an English sentence in which you begin a sentence with in and emphasize it. Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July and I'll go down on you. Forgive me for saying It's just stupid. In July. I'd love to know how you emphasize in and in July. Impossible. Meaningless. I think all they were thinking about was that they didn't want to. He isn't, isn't thinking. thinking. Wilson, can we just do one last Yeah. One? And it was my fault. I, should, I said in July, like, if you can leave every July. You didn't say it. He said it. It's, it's every July. Your friend. <laughs> I love that one, too. <laughs> no, you don't really mean every July. But that's a that's bad copy. It's in July. Of course it's every July. Too much directing around here. What? Could I have just one more take of that? Why? I just did it right. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I'm not used to having more than one person in there. One more word out of you and you go. Is that clear? Yes, sir. I take, well, I take directions <laughs> from one person under protest. 
but from two, I don't sit still. But who the hell are you, anyway? <laughs> well, why the hell are you asking me for another one? Well, I thought there was a slight bunk, and I would like just like to be safe. Jesus. <laughs> What, what is Gilbert, a gong? Gilbert does you this. mind telling me what, what is a that gong? Is? A bang from outside. A bang from outside. Norway. Fish fingers in Nor Findus, Norway. We know a certain fjord in Norway, near where the cod gather in Great Shoals. <laughs> there, Janster Stangeland. Shit. Fraction more on the on that shoals thing, because you roll it around very nicely. Yeah, roll it around, and I have no, no more time. time. You don't know what I'm up against. Because it's full of, of, of things that are only correct because they're grammatical, but they're tough on the ear. You see, this is a very wearying one. It's unpleasant to read. Unrewarding. <laughs> That's my favorite. Do you find that? Freeze the yes. Unrewarding. I love Crumb crisp coating. Crumb crisp coating. Ah, that's tough. Crumb crisp coating. <laughs> I think so no, because great. of the way it's written, you need to break it up because it's not it's not as conversationally written. What? Take crumb Take out. Take crumb out. Good. Here under protest is beef burgers. We know a little place in the American far west where Charlie Briggs chops <laughs> up the finest prairie fed beef and tastes. This is a lot of shit, you know. <laughs> you want one more? Yeah. Oh, it's gold. gold. You, you missed the first beat. What do you mean missed it? What do you mean missed it? You emphasize prairie fed. But you can't emphasize beef. That's like he's wanting me to emphasize in before July. Come on, fellas, you're losing your head. I love that. I wouldn't direct any living actor like this in Shakespeare. Well, you do this. It's impossible. Orson, you did six last year, and by far and away the best, and I know the, the reason. The right reading for this is the one I'm giving it. At the moment, I spent 20 times more for you people than any other commercial I've ever made. <laughs> it was such pests. <laughs> it's my favorite now, of what all. What is it you want? No, I think in your depths of your ignorance, what is it you want? <laughs> That's the killer. What is it you want? I can't deliver because I just don't see it. That was absolutely fine. It really was. You, you, it isn't worth it. No money is worth it. <laughs> <laughs> what is it you want in the depths of your ignorance? So this. Leave, leave it to Orson Welles to make the Citizen Kane yes. of these. Yes. I love the fact that he just has to mention that he's directed actors in Shakespeare and yes. wouldn't direct them this way. What do you got, yeah. Paulie? Well, he when they called him and they said they wanted him to do this thing, and they, and, and they said, would you come in and audition? And he said, surely to God, there's someone in your little agency who knows what my voice sounds like. <laughs> he says, well, they said they knew the voice, but it was for the client. So he went in. He wanted the money. Okay, ready? Another quiz. He was. He wanted the money because he was trying to finish. Oh, I know this. Chimes at midnight. Chimes at midnight. Yeah, right. at midnight. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of reason that he did those things in those days. He was trying to finish films. Yeah. That were unfinished. Yeah. And he would take any kind of gig. I, you, you've seen the YouTube. I love. I'll. Show me how and I'll go down. I'll go down on you. Yeah. <laughs> and then unrewarding. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He, he had an incredible voice. Yes. And no and question. the the best part, like uh, that was like a great performance, is when he goes, "No, you didn't say it. He did." Your, your friend. friend. I love that. The hatred. Whoa. The hatred that's just the contempt that's dripping off of his uh, 
off of his tongue. There's there's a little piece on Wikipedia uh, where our friend Jonathan Lynn, our former mm-hmm. podcast guest, mm-hmm. recounts his version of the events that uh, that Orson told him. So we date this as being somewhere between 1969 and 1970, and the product was Findus frozen peas. Ah. Uh, I don't I don't know where crumb crisp coating came in to <laughs> to, to frozen peas. I think it's a mixture of, of two different spots. I think it, I think it sounds like there's a batch of spots. Batch or a batch of spots. This yeah. is absolute shit. He says here under protest is Our beef. beef burgers. So I think that's him. It's like I don't think that was in the copy. I think that's right. him not wanting to do beef burgers. Right. That's right. Uh, and of course, it's been parodied many times. Most okay. famously on Pinky and the Brain, uh, and our friend Rob Paulson, yes. who did this show. So there's a podcast. There's a podcast connection. Jonathan now, Lynn too. Now, there's another one. I don't know if you, you have it with you now. The other one, the, you know, the wine commercial. I didn't, oh, I yeah. didn't, I didn't dial oh, that up. Oh, the friend yes. before we'll, it's do, time. we'll do it in another week because this is, this is really about so rants. Oh, this yeah. is really about angry rants. Yeah. But we'll do it. We'll, we'll play that one in another week. Um, also, another connection to the podcast, it was parodied on the show The Critic. Oh, yes. yes. Also played by Maurice LaMarche, written by our friend, Mike Reese. Ah, so there you go. So there's some uh, there's some loose. Uh, here's a third one. It was parodied on SCTV. Orson Welles was played by John Candy, and in the same sketch was Liberace played by Dave Thomas. Oh, another podcast guest. So there are some some strange little fun connections. Yeah, that to, to one, these pieces. That one is uh, just a classic. It's it's absolutely ones. wonderful, and fr- and Frank's worst nightmare. Yeah, I mean, you know, but I'll tell you, you. I, I've told this story so many times to like people I work with. You never know what you're up against when somebody walks in either the booth or the control room. But I've got stories from clients where they were horrible, and then you would later learn that they just had some traumatic thing happen in their life that right, very morning. Right. And also, like I remember in the early 90s, I was doing a dog food commercial with a, with a celebrity spokesperson, and he came in the room before anybody else and said, can you play me the cut? And he looked at the cut, and I what do I know? Look great, you know? And he calls his agent and starts yelling in the phone and he storms out. And then the clients arrive a few minutes later and say, where's so-and-so? I'll tell you later who it was. And uh, I said, he, he left and everybody was all on a huff. I later learned that he had been going through like cancer, you know, oh, like that's unfortunate. and he died a couple of years later. But he was very up, very concerned about how his face looked in the shots and mm. and all this. So you never know, like you know, everyone's of like, oh, "What a dick!" But the guy was dying. What do you attribute Gilbert's lack of yeah. professionalism to? <laughs> um, it's when we're out of Perrier. <laughs> I, I I remember working on some show and everyone was bitching the actor there, and I found out later that the actor's business manager just left town that day. Wow. He just disappeared with his money. Wow. So, oh, uh, man. You'll tell us off mic who that was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it William Demarest? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to track down that Casey Kasem U2 uh, clip. But we have one to go out on. Uh, and again, thank you, Ray Gustini, for the great producer of the month idea. And this one is pretty known, too. And this one I like a lot. And I was playing it last night for my wife, and we were in hysterics. So we'll, we'll, we'll do a little bit of this one because it's nine minutes. So we'll just, we'll just do maybe the first three. Good order of business. No T-shirts on stage. You understand that? 
This is Paul Anka, by the way, in case you don't know. You got that, Paul? That's just the fucking way it what is. What did he think the guy should get? <laughs> Shirts. <laughs> you first start with getting your goddamn list correct. So there's no confusion. When I write something down, it gets exactly that. Yeah. Now, what are we going to do about these cutoffs? Uh, my way cutoffs? I'm kind of waiting for you. you what did we discuss at the last meeting? I was going to take, I'm not anyone. Is that correct? I was going to do that one. You're going to hold the cord and cut it. Is that right? Absolutely. All right. Now, what are we going to do about my way? I'll when I'm walking around, waiting yeah. and waiting, I and you finally give it, and where was everybody cutting off with you? I don't know. Evidently, they were watching you. They should have been watching me. Look what you were doing it. I did it. I did What's it going to be, guys? Who are you watching? I suggest they watch me. I'll watch but you. But you were the only one to watch. Absolutely. But let me ask you this. A pilot is in a plane and he's landing. He not only looks at his instrument, but he looks at the fucking runway to make sure it's there. What did you look at? <laughs> Who are you watching? <laughs> Where were you guys on the end of my way? Graham, what happened? I was late because I usually watch you on that. And John. And uh, if I'm not doing if I'm not doing anything, and he throws do you remember the last meeting where I said a bow of do take it and end it? Except for I'm not anyone, I'll give I'm not anyone. Do you all remember that? If my arms aren't up and he or he's the only one, why wouldn't you take it from him? What is the confusion on these endings? I don't get it. I don't get it. Do you understand that? What's it going to be, guys? Do you want fucking Vinnie Falcone in front? Do you want me to go and get a conductor that'll sit and ride your asses? Is that what you want? Do you want your jokes? Where's Joe? Where's Joe? Is the new, uh, is Don on the, the phone? Don on the phone, right? I tell you, I want the band. Do you understand that? I want the fucking band, okay? There is a lot of loose shit going on, and I am telling you, you guys are on thin ice. You're on thin ice, Gilbert. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you right now. And when I fucking move, I slice like a fucking hammer. Oh. <laughs> oh, there it is. That is the greatest line ever. When I move, I, I slice, slice like, like a, a fucking, fucking hammer. <laughs> now, what is the is the podcast connection here? Former podcast guest Brian Koppelman, who wrote Ocean's Thirteen, gave a copy of this oh, to, to Al, Pacino. Al Pacino. Yes, and Al Pacino incorporated it into his performance as Willie Bank. In Ocean's Thirteen, no shit includes the lines when I when I move I slice like a fucking hammer 
and don't make a maniac out of me, <laughs> which wow. is the which is the one I love. <laughs> I I love you're on fucking notice. You're on fucking notice. Um, and that's the fucking way, way it, it is. is. Recorded 15 years ago, according to an interview that Anka did with Terry Gross at Fresh Air, he said we recorded this. It was recorded by a real snake that we fired. He found out out the guy that was recording it. And he's not apologetic about it. He says, this is a small pebble on the whole infrastructure of business. I know how to motivate people, and I know how to treat them, and I have no regrets whatsoever for anything that's on that tape. (laughs) I got got another another part of that must be the same conversation. Yeah. Um, He said, we had a nice big moment on Howard Stern where he played the tape and agreed with it. It's different from Buddy Rich because Buddy Rich was just a a lunatic. Right. But he had reason to be pissed off, it sounds like, from this thing. But uh, he says, I'm a stickler for detail, you know, and I owe it to my audience. And It's the uh, threats. You know. It's the threats that are great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, it's you, nothing different than what Gilbert says to us every yeah. week. Yeah. You guys know me. When I move, I slice like a fucking hammer. That's the greatest line of all time. <laughs> Just all, if, if we ever get Paul Anka on this podcast, will we have the balls to ask him about this? <laughs> he, did, he did Terry Gross. Yeah. So yeah. if he could do Terry Gross. Paul, uh, Frankie, you got a surprise one to take us out on? Uh, I do. Uh, I'm going to play you this other one. And then do we'll a short one. Yeah. We're at 35 see. minutes. Everybody, this is Dean Martin. And Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Would like to tell you all you know about this one? Of course. Not really a meltdown, but it's you good. You'll love Jerry and me in the caddy. Take my word for it. The caddy is the most hilarious picture we've ever made. Come on, join the fun. See Paramount's the caddy. Yeah, the caddy. Is that all right, you cocksucker? How was that, you <laughs> shit heel? Without reading that. it? I'll you know this. You. Yeah. Okay. Next. This is what Gilbert rolling? calls me. Still rolling? <laughs> all right, start. You can cut that bit out. Okay. Uh, this is Dean Martin. And Jerry Lewis asking you to see our newest and funniest picture to date. Of course, you mean the caddy. You bet I do. Crazy, man, crazy. No doubt about it, Dean. This is the funniest picture we've ever made. No kidding, folks. We're sensational. Take my word for it. Come on and join the fun. See Paramount's the caddy. It'll make you shit. <laughs> <laughs> cut out make. I love that. I love Dean. Cut out make. <laughs> um, Classic. There's more so, to that one, too, which you can great. find on YouTube. Yeah, but it's post all the links. It's marvelous. Um, so after Gilbert closes, I got something I'll play as like a button. All right, we'll take, oh, take us out on it. Okay, Gil, sign us out. Hi, this is this has been Gilbert. <laughs> the only guy I know that says hi when he's signing you out. Greets you on a sign out. Hello, this has been Gilbert and Frank's uh, amazing colossal obsession. And how did you find this episode? Unrewarding? Unrewarding. <laughs> ponderous. Thank you. Fucking ponderous. And that is it for us today. Okay, I don't know. Whatever it is, it's not right on the teleprompter. I don't know what that is. I've never seen that. No, there it is. We are going to do Sting, yeah. Okay, but... <laughs> now, I can't read it. There's no There's no words on it. Okay. Sure. There's yeah. no words there to play us out. What does that mean, to play us out? It's Sting is going to do... It's a video. Sting video. What is for credits? I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? I don't know how he doesn't know to what that means. And the show? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, go, go. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. A-
That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a. I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. <laughs> I can, I'll write it, and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing sucks. <laughs> He seems like a nice man. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. I love this long shot. Watch this. (laughs) 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 Freaking out. (laughs) See you next week. That's the letter U and the numeral two. The four-man band features Adam Clayton on bass, Larry Mullen on drums, Dave Evans, nicknamed The Edge, on... This is bullshit. Nobody cares. These guys are from England, and who gives a shit? Oh, yeah. It's a lot of wasted names that don't mean diddly shit. I, for sure, for sure. You don't know where you're at. Don't shit about you. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. Sounds like Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Diddly shit, diddly shit, diddly shit, diddly shit. Nobody cares.